believe congratulations are in order for Triple H because he did something I believed could not be done. You see, he made mankind mad. And the question is, Triple H, why? He was friendly. He was funny. He was downright huggable, but you should have known somewhere deep down in his twisted soul, there was a sick SOB waiting to be woken up. Yeah, Mankind was almost muppet-like, but, but Cactus Jack, huh? And you know what you did, Triple H? You woke up the SOB. When you cracked me over the head with that ring bell, remember it well, remember it well. And when I felt the warm blood run down my face, I'd be lying if I said I didn't like it just a little bit. He liked it. Because it was at that time that I realized who deep down I had been all along, Cactus Jack. and welcome to Match Club, a podcast from Fight to Feud and back again. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And I'm going to classify this as episode three. Is that Does that work? Yeah, the last one was like two and a half. It was a bonus okay. episode. 2.5. It was a real episode, but it wasn't about a feud. It was just about a single match, so. True. That had a lot of story to it. So we'll say 2.5. So if you missed episode 2.5 which was uh, Mikey and I's friends, uh, Dan and Matt, from WMQ Comics, uh, talking about the stadium stampede from Double or Nothing in May, which is, it's already almost the end of July, so we're, we're not going to talk about how time is flowing in 2020. But if you'd like to listen to that, you can do so. It's obviously on the feed, but this is officially episode three. So that's, uh yeah, that's that's where we're starting from here. Um, this month i was gonna say a week but this month we decided to go back in time to mm-hmm. to, to what some might call the uh, greatest era of wrestling i think i was gonna to- say a weirder and wackier time <laughs> i would say the what i would say i'm still still keeping with that what some might say is the best era of wrestling charlie but mikey mikey might have no, some thoughts about it no let's 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 not let's not give it that like there are there are a lot of good things about the attitude era there are a lot of really bad things about the attitude era mikey and i don't think anyone will debate you about that i know i just don't I would rather be truthful than try to give credence to, like, this veneer of, like, nostalgia over something that maybe doesn't, like, I really enjoyed watching a lot of this. I also really didn't enjoy quite a bit of it. And, like, the problem is, if you watch the pay-per-views, just the pay-per-views, which is largely what we'll be discussing here, it's, like, mostly fine, but if you try to go watch an episode of Raw or SmackDown... 
you get into some pretty gnarly shit pretty quickly. Yeah, no. Okay, so I brought that up. I said, m- some would say, mostly so we could chip away at that uh, veneer, as you called it. <laughs> but uh, it is a sentiment some people share, and I would rather be truthful, as you said, than uh, continue to propagate this myth that the Attitude Era is the best time in wrestling. Um, I, I so will we'll talk say- about that. Just because I think in the time since our last episode, uh, a lot of folks might have gotten more familiar with wrestling uh, because of all of the cinematic matches that have been being put on. And I would say that is the kind of thing that we kind of got away from, like from Attitude Era to now. And that's bringing in some of the better parts of Attitude Era without so many of the things that make the Attitude Era difficult to recommend in terms of a long-form watch. Yes, but that that being said, uh, this episode is uh, obviously not about the Attitude Era as a whole, because that is a lot of everything. Uh, so this episode, we're going to be focusing on the feud between Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, a.k.a. Mankind, a.k.a. Dude Love, and Triple H in the Year of Our Lord 2000 so well 19 latter the latter month of 1999 to so december 1999 to january 2000 correct uh capping off in february of 2000 so technically february of 2020 would have been 20 years since that hell in a cell match which is a oh boy that's a lot to think about (laughs) it's a lot of years that's a lot of years uh so we're gonna be diving into that and uh it is it's one of the best things from the era because a lot of people say that the year 2000 in general in wwe um was actually really like that is a lot of a a, that is when a lot of people like became in their height like hyper aware of of wrestling at this point so that's a lot of people's like very fond memories of like oh what was happening in 2000 wwe so you know going to this this was kind of like the one of the uh, main things going on mostly because in the previous part of the attitude era so i say 1998 and the majority of 1999 that was all stone cold steve austin at this point in the timeline he's gone he he had to get neck surgery his neck was really really messed up so at survivor series 1999 steve austin's gone we need some stuff to fill that enormous gap at the time um so we get some really good stuff so mikey i'll ask you just straight out of the gate what type of characters from someone in your perspective who didn't grow up with the attitude era kind of like i did uh how would you describe mcfoley and triple h as as characters so mcfoley is interesting in that as charlie he doesn't just have a lot of aka's even though Charlie listed them as AKs, it's not incorrect, but he has entirely different personas. Um, like gimmick, like he has multiple gimmicks that he can kind of, that he switches between that are not just himself, but like with a slightly different attitude on, they really are distinct. Now I'm not that familiar with dude love, so bear with me. Um, but at least between Mankind and um, the later persona that he will unveil, they're really, really, really different. So I'm going to start out by describing 
Mankind. I wrote, Mankind is just depression embodied, but he's also simultaneously an ever-ready bunny. So he is kind of a loser, but he's also determined and just like, oh, fuck, why is this happening to me? Just constantly is how I would describe him. And he wears a leather mask and a bedraggled long hair, bedraggled button down shirt with a like sloppy tie on. He's just like an office worker who broke out <laughs> of the office and found his way into the wrestling ring and maybe doesn't know what's going on, but is going to put up with it anyway. Also very important, he has a family. Yes. Yes. As they remind us many times. Yes, and uh mankind is definitely some would describe him as a muppet. Would you describe him that way? Yeah, yeah, that tracks, especially okay. with the introduction of Mr. Socko, who is a <laughs> sock puppet that he pulls out of his Fruit of the Looms um, to go into the Mandible Claw, which is one of his finishers. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you know this. That you know all this now. <laughs> <laughs> they said Fruit of the Looms like 20 times. I am also, for the record, wearing Fruit of the Loom boxer briefs right now, so... Mankind and I have that in common. <laughs> yes. So just like just like Mikey said, it, it you know we've got a lot of things going on. If you're familiar with uh, 2020 Matt Hardy in AEW, not it's not he's the, the one same. with the drones. Uh, Correct. He's not. This is not the same. But as as having like distinct personas to switch between, like there is definitely some threads being pulled from there, like from this. Yeah. Because Mick was kind of the originator of of that. Yeah, that is that's another thing. You know, I mentioned earlier with the cinematic matches that were going on on Twitter and that kind of taking a lot from this era of wrestling and kind of bringing that back. Um, Because one thing I think more recently, and we kind of saw that in Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose episode that we did as our first episode, but wrestling got a lot more serious like pro wrestling like took itself a lot more seriously as kind of like a reformation of its image and like the attitude era being like too gonzo in a lot of ways the attitude era is very much like rob leefield comics it is very over the top and very extreme and has a lot of machismo about it in both a bad and a good way I say good because, like, I'm someone that enjoys Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Like, they're not good, but they're enjoyable. Um, and to me, like, some parts of that are enjoyable in the same way. But then there's also, like, a lot of misogyny and sexism and racism and, you know, all kinds of picking on people that are different. And, like, that's uncomfortable in a way. But I can also see that, like... This is what a lot of like watching going through and watching some Attitude Era stuff for the first time, like Raw and SmackDown specifically, and not just the pay-per-views. I was also able to see like how wrestlers that are working today like grew up with this stuff and pull a lot of it, a lot of the best parts of it into their routines and their gimmicks and everything. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a long winded way. No, but that, that I feel no, like you're it's absolutely important. you're absolutely correct. It's I think it's very important. Um, give a let's let's uh give a try on uh Triple H, uh 2000s edition. 
Unfortunately attractive, a dumbass who makes a lot of dick jokes, but it makes me all the more eager to see him get the shit beat out of him. (laughs) Also, he is married to Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, as they will constantly remind you, but they were not actually IRL for real married at this time. That would come later, but they are kayfabe or in the fiction of wrestling married. Yes. So that is where we've where we've oh I mean before I go there do you see any connective tissue between this Triple H and the one from 2014 Oh yeah yeah and actually I was going to make a note the biggest thing is like the storytelling style we have kind of this domineering backroom deal interweaving factions pitting people against each other calling the matches um which like I don't think we really get that as much anymore even in WWE like every Wednesday or, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for WWE. It's like, this is the card. This is who's wrestling. Maybe you'll get a couple surprise matches along the way, but by and large, most of the time, you know what's coming. Whereas in this, it's like, okay, we're here. I'm watching it because I'm going to watch it regardless because this is what's on. Like, this is my brand that I am into. But, you know, so I'm coming here regardless. So, like, okay, we're sitting down, you know, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H come out and they tell us through the course of the show who's wrestling. Like, you don't know that ahead of time. And that's kind of wild, but that is kind of definitely mm-hmm. the, they, they play on that with Seth Rollins of like, okay, you're unhappy, Seth. I see that you're unhappy. All right, you know what? We'll make you feel better. We're going to make you a match. And then... You know, so that that's definitely a through line. And then, like, another thing is, I think Triple H left to his own devices is kind of just like, he's also kind of a loser. Um, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have a lot going for him, really, other than, like, his looks are in his physique. But what makes him and hardens him into the person that he becomes is, like, Stephanie McMahon's sadism. Like, that's really the only way to put it. It's. It's true. Like, without her, he would just kind of roll around in his freaking Harley Davidson leather jacket and Kanga cap and just kind of, like, sit in the room eating catering and making dick jokes. (laughs) But, you know, she's really the one that pushes him and pushes him into places where he gets mad and starts vendettas. Because the other thing is, like, so he... At the start of this feud, he's with this stable Degeneration X, who are all in, like, black and lime green t-shirts and pants and have the most horrible black bucket hats and small sunglasses. They look awful. I don't get literally any, the appeal of literally any part of Degeneration X, including Billy Gunn. (laughs) But, you know, Triple H is kind of the leader of the faction, and... But he doesn't really seem to do much until uh, Stephanie McMahon kind of pushes him into places and, you know, engineers situations in which Degeneration X gets themselves into trouble and therefore, like, has to get matches. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? I'd say that's accurate. So, like, the big thing about the Attitude Era is what kind of what you described in what people call, call, like, car crash booking. Okay, this is what we're doing now. Okay, this is what we're doing now. And a lot of it makes no sense because we don't have, like, we really, we have maybe a match, like, one or two 
like ideas for matches and and those are like the main points of the show but everything else like we're kind of just penciling it along the way so that's definitely what this era you know is known for in regards to that i will say that stephanie stephanie's turn because before about probably november of, two, of, of 1999 stephanie was not this character like she was a like a a baby face so she was vince's daughter but throughout 1999 and and a little bit of 1998 like she'd basically been used as a pawn by vince because of his like obsession with stone cold steve austin so she was like kidnapped by the undertaker but it under and like had that traumatic experience but it all wound up to be like vince vince orchestrated all of that to happen so he'd like get back at stone cold and like so she had been used on several occasions by vince in order to fuel his obsession with stone cold steve austin and at the end of 1999 triple h and dx were feuding with vince because he was the authority figure and as this as this like jab at vince triple h married stephanie but it all turned out to be something that stephanie also orchestrated with triple h to get back at vince so she wasn't without like motivation and i'd say stephanie's character basically is one of the like this is one of the first times i think the first time in wwe during this period that like a woman got a character like that nuanced like okay here are the points we connect like this happened and this happened and this happened and this is why i'm doing this um which didn't usually happen especially for a woman but i think she's like a she's a remarkably fleshed out character like and everything like you can kind of see her as you said like pulling triple h's strings along the way yeah and that makes knowing that because i didn't realize that background knowing that makes a little bit more sense why she oscillates so wildly on schoolgirl, just like out and out sadists <laughs> like mm -hmm. this like spectrum because it's not quite the that like duality that's used to describe women so often it's not quite that because even when even when she's playing like her soft schoolgirl persona it's very obviously using that as a way to manipulate the people usually men around her like it's mm -hmm. she's doing it knowingly it's not because she is a, an innocent person mm -hmm. absolutely and it's funny that you say it, like i see no i see like no redeeming qualities in dx <laughs> that makes me laugh a lot because i think the best thing about dx is probably their intro music yeah which then um the young bucks of ring of honor and now aew fame <laughs> like ripped off they used in... that gimmick way better than i think dx ever did oh yeah <laughs> for sure but it was like <laughs> realizing that that's where they get the break it down i was like oh oh okay like also watching dx i understand so much more about like the young bucks and the elite and being the elite and everything like so much actually comes from that kind of like goofy naive heel like yeah faction but like they they do do it like way better but that's yeah, they you know that's kind of the into beauty something of like much much better than yeah it, it ever was which i you know 
credit to the Young Bucks. I'll give them credit all all day long. Uh, but yeah, no, it's funny because this is heel DX. So DX turned heel when Hunter did, and they had previously been like like babyface rejection of authority type of thing. So like the reason they're called DX is because like Degeneration X is because. Vince would always be like, you can't do, like, it was right when the Attitude Area was beginning, and they're like, oh, you can't do that. Like, you can't say these things, you can't be this way. Like, um, so they just fully embraced it. So they had been, like, previous to now, they had been baby faces. But either way, that just, <laughs> like, I never really got it. Like, we're missing one of the members of DX, it's just Shawn Michaels, which is a founding member of DX with, with Triple H. When is Triple H and Shawn? on their own, like, by themselves. There's, like, a lot of homoerotic tension going on there, which I can get into. Uh, but otherwise, I, I will have to agree with you, I think. <laughs> so, it, you know, basically, what what starts here is, between all of that that had gone on, and, you know, Steph joining with Hunter, and, and all that going on, they, they've but become this incredibly diabolical force and as an authority figure in the locker room well they're just clear making everyone's life miserable i think the diabolical force is hunter and stephanie um the rest of dx really reads to me as like team rocket style lackeys for sure sure. like yeah or like sailor moon when it's like i'll send out my trusted uh minion and they'll be able to get this done and then they just like the shit kicked out of them (laughs) Like, that, that is big vibes of that. Like, just your yeah. classic anime or Saturday morning cartoon minions. Absolutely. Yeah, and so And then it's they like, are... why can't you just do the thing that I told you to do? And then it's like Road Dog with his stupid dreads being like, I tried! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And this, I'm so glad that you have that perception. Because I think anybody watching the first time would also have that perception. Um you know, without any nostalgia glasses, like, fogging up anything. But, you know, th- they are literally making everybody's life a living hell. Uh, they are just being needlessly cruel with the matches they put together. It is and only... like, when, when people don't want the matches, they, like, find an angle to manipulate them, to tell them why they really want it, like, to gaslight them into being yeah, like, no, this it's... is actually a good match for you because of XYZ thing. Yeah, it's, so it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, but you know it, and they do their best to kind of like keep people apart too because you know as this starts one of the main people that are like okay this sucks actually is mankind he's like they start it started kind of out like okay we're gonna give people opportunities like they give this whole speech about giving opportunities to people who've never had them before because things are gonna change and you know, obviously all of that's lies. Mankind, so McFoley is like, okay, well, this is awful. Like, this really sucks. So he kind of, like, starts to try and get people in the locker room together. Like, he brings yeah. them together I mean, for before a meeting. That, they even, like, try to take him out just because they know he's going to be a problem. And they, like, they know he likes Christmas, so they try intentionally to ruin his Christmas. They do. It's awful. And they have a boiler room brawl, which is just, like, a match type that you don't really see anymore, I don't think. And it's so, like, it's so gonzo and so weird. And it's, like, again, like, the kind of thing, like, there's no, if that was live, I I would be shocked just 
because of like the technology that would have been required at the time. I mean, maybe it was, but like it's just so wild and only like literally because of COVID, which, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk at length about the WWE's reactions in the COVID era, because that's a whole nother thing that could be a whole nother podcast. And it's bad. uh, TLDR. (laughs) But, you know, only now are we seeing that kind of same kind of, oh, we're going to do this rumble brawl in the backstage with just whatever's garbage is hanging around in the back of something, Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's cool like, to see that and see yeah, the originator they, of it. They basically, like, Hunter and Stephanie basically know that the problems people that they're going to have to deal with in order to get this all, like, to make sure they stay in power is Mankind and The Rock. They just try and systematically both, like, break break them both down. It's much, it's much more difficult um, to get under The Rock's skin than it is <laughs> to basically break Mankind's spirit. Uh, because yeah. because Mick loves he loves Christmas and all this stuff and these episodes are hitting right around Christmas time so like there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on yeah and- when he when he just starts when Mick mankind Mick just starts going just sadly singing Christmas carols in his like warbly little voice like that was just like I'm like I love him so much <laughs> like that's just a mood. <laughs> Well, her outside is frightful, you know, like, <laughs> as, um, as he's shambling through the boiler room. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's, 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 I'm glad you watched that episode, uh, or watched that good. part. Yeah, so, like, and he, he does try and gather, like, everybody and be like, this really sucks, like, if yeah. we all stood Let's- up and said this really sucked, maybe we could stop it from happening. So, the weird thing is, because this is something that goes on for a little bit in kind of like the middle of this feud, the like labor politics of this whole feud are really weird, one. And two, I couldn't tell if this was like a sideways dig at another promotion or something at the time, because um, it felt really weird to just come out of nowhere because they have this whole recurring thing of first, yeah, like... Mankind gets everybody together and is like, we need to take over um, and, you know, work together, you know, collective action. And then Stephanie McMahon, of course, ruins that. And then The Rock is like, well, since they, you know, Mick couldn't get that done, since they kept him from doing that, I'm going to finish the work he started. And it it was like just a angle that seems like really out of left field for me. But I have the no idea. Thing I if can, it was... The only thing I can pull from at the time that was happening was there had previously been a, a like a ref strike, but I don't know if that has anything to do with this angle. <laughs> like I just I, I I don't like that's that's me just kind of like trying to grab things. Yeah. And say you know maybe this inspired this, but I absolutely have no idea. Also, you did not know, I'm going to assume you did not know that The Rock and Mankind had formed a tag team previously. No, I had no idea. I was like, The Rock and Sock Connection, is that a real thing? And then, yeah, like, that's that's a name for a tag team. Let me just tell you, it's like a, a extremely strong name, but also just like goes to show how weird this era is that they make like the literal sock puppet you know part of that tag team name 
Yes. So the Rockets Out Connection are real. Uh, Mick and The Rock were tag team partners and tag team champions. And right before, a little bit before this, there had been a story where uh, The Rock and Mankind were, they weren't feuding, but like Mick had another friend who, who he thought he watched like Mick become friends with The Rock. And The Rock is The Rock, so he's not always, he's, like, not always the greatest person. He's kind of a bully, uh, in all honesty. But, like, Mick and him had a good rapport. But Mick's friend Al, they'd been friends for a long time, had seen this. And he's like, well, I'm I'm a better friend to Mick than The Rock. So, like, Al spent all this time, like, at this point in time, Mick Foley had, like, written a book. It actually became, the number, like, the New York Times bestseller. And he gave a copy of it to The Rock. Al took the copy that he that he gave the rock and put it in the trash. So Mick found it, and he thought that the rock had put his book in the trash. Oh my gosh! And that, yeah, it, it, yeah. All so that's why break... everyone was talking about the book. Yes, yes. So this, what was the all book's, of this was happened. the book's title? Have a nice day. It was yes. Okay. There was this whole plot line going on where Al tried to break up the Rocket Sock connection, and it it worked for a while. But then, like, obviously, we figured it. Like, they found out that like it was actually Al that did all this. Yeah. So that happened a couple. uh, That's also kind of running through this, like the the dregs of that's running through this. But at this point, and then the Rock and McFoley are still friends. Yeah, and so before this too, as kind of like a preface to this particular feud um mick foley and triple h had fought before right several times but not yeah, like in, they like, had well they had a big fight at madison square garden right was that them cor- correct okay but that was way back in 1996 there's stuff going like there's other plot lines running through this but it's really just about, like, Mick trying to, like, stop all this bad stuff from happening because Triple yeah. H and Stephanie are causing havoc everywhere. Well, and unfortunately, the they rock- fire him. Yes. And in a very sad, but, kind like, very sad and iconic match, which is also kind of silly. It is, co- like, he, Triple H and Stephanie put The Rock and Mankind, since they are friends and they are literally trying to drive wedges between everybody in the locker room and make sure that the people that usually team up and are friends are no like they they have to fight one another. Yeah. So in this very like like sadistic and mean spirited thing, they put the Rock and Mankind in a match called Pink Slip on a Pole match, which is basically if you can climb the pole and get the pink slip, you win the match and you aren't fired. But if you don't manage to do that, you are going to lose your job. So it's this very, it's, it sounds very silly, but it's, like, very heartbreaking, actually. Yeah. Because Mick, all, all Mick wants to do is, like, make this a better place for everybody, and he's being, he's, like, being punished for it, and it is this, like, really cruel thing, and it's around Christmas time, and he ends up losing the match, and they fire him, and it's... It's really sad. Yeah. It's not it's not good. Am I remembering correctly that Stephanie McMahon actually like interferes in that match too? Yes. yes. Like Mick is about to climb and then she stops him? Yes. It is not without uh the interference. Uh so things go the right way. But 
it is it's still it's still very like even no matter who wins we all lose type of situation yeah yeah for sure for sure but this i mean that does lead to the rock like coming out and and like really standing up for mick because he obviously he didn't he didn't cause mick to lose his job but he feels responsible and this is like maybe like even though the rock is like a major baby face at this point like he's the people's champ like he still is that character that it's like he runs down everybody like yeah, it's he's just kind what, of a jerk sometimes he's just a jerk and this is like kind of like leads to some of the times when the rock is like actually like has mixed back and is like advocating for him and and he wants him to get his job back and I, i'm gonna just ask you mikey what do you think about the rock's shirts uh how do you feel about the about the rock's fashion sense in the year 2000 i think um uh, who is that guy that was on the Chicago Bulls? Dennis Rodman? Yeah, I think Dennis Rodman and The Rock shop in the same boutiques. <laughs> like, and I say that in the best possible way. Like, his fashion is extra, but it's in a way that I ex- I very much appreciate. Yeah, it's like it's it's very much like The Rock that you always see going around and people are like this is when the rock dressed like this and it's like the chain <laughs> yeah. and the and the the, sh- the open shirts like that he always said cost like a thousand dollars yeah um, it's so i just like a bright get... red velour or like velvet jacket kind of shit. i've seen a leopard print one before i think yeah. maybe i think the one that comes out he comes out with like right after mick gets fired like the the show after that i think he comes out in this like this like leopard print number um and it's yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> i'm just like you're trying to like we're trying to take you seriously here sir. <laughs> i know it was a different time but also... i mean but that was a way to show like his you know his big money so it's it's true it's very true so yeah so the rock advocates for mick to get his job back and he kind of gathers everybody up in the locker room and he says hey Triple H and Stephanie, if you don't reinstate Mick Foley right now, we're all going to walk out. So, yeah, we're back to the weird, like, union politics. Yeah, so he, com- he comes out with, like, 90% of the locker room at that point. Mm-hmm. Because there are, obviously, aligned people who are aligned to Stephanie and Hunter because they think by doing that they will get ahead. Which isn't untrue, but it's also not true because the only people looking out... There's no... The only people... Is- triple h and stephanie are looking out for are themselves yeah um in fact you know triple h is going around and quote-unquote executing people um you know like he executes big show and the last smackdown of the millennium um like right before new year's eve you know the rock challenges triple h to go one-on-one so triple h comes out and it's a handicap you're fired match and, That's my favorite title of match, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the absurdity of that, which is, yeah. you know. Well, because <sighs> that's kind of the thing, too, is like, I, I, you know, at one point I'm like, are they just, there are a lot of never before match types before, mm. like they're constantly need to up, needing to up the ante, and that actually gets called out january 10th raw because it's like yeah you keep introducing these ridiculous match types because and it's very 
it becomes very patently obvious that it's just maybe Stephanie and Triple H are really bad at leading a mm -hmm. company and stuff because they oh, yeah. really don't know what they're doing. They're just like, uh, mm, handicap, you're fired. Nah, 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 boo, boo. You know, like they're like five year olds. So, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. They don't know how to run a company. Yeah, and it's just, and I think some of that comes from Triple H, you know, like they're both very immature like triple h is you know like i said coming out of this kind of like um for those of you that have watched twin peaks like triple h at this time is very much like a bobby briggs type persona except without the like actual damaged trauma side that bobby has which i think redeems him in at least some ways um Triple H has none of that. He's just like what Bobby is on his face. Um, and then Stephanie is just like the absolute worst person. <laughs> mm hmm. What's her name? Regina from Mean, mean Girls. Girls. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, they don't know what they're doing. Like that is patently obvious, but like nobody has, like nobody can do anything. Like, so that's, that's the thing. So when The Rock's like, well, we're going to all walk out. That's what, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna form the World of Rock Federation. Did you hear that? That was good. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really good. I don't know what I don't know what that is, but okay. Um, sure. And so they, you know, backed into a corner, they decide to rehire Mick. But in doing so also make his life when he comes back a living hell, worse than it was previously. Yeah, monkey's paw curls. Yeah, the monkey's paw curls, basically. So I think some of this is some of the stuff you were talking to me about in regards to, like, the skits and the things that were happening at, right as Mick came back. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, like, right before he came back. Yeah, so there was a lot, there was, like, a running thing that DX was doing that was, like, a parody. They got this guy to dress up like mankind and basically used him and skits to run mick down like it and it's very, usually very, it's very triple very h in various costumes yes um i would not recommend watching the skits um because there's no. some really bad bits to them um, they're not good including incredibly racist like yellow panic type shit um yes. but I did see, like, the through line from that to, like, the kind of skits and stuff that Being the Elite does and, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, that are maybe less prevalent on the WWE of today, but, you know, do have some kind of that, like, weird absurdist humor. Like, it was just, like, weird improv shit that was, you know, throwing yeah. stuff at a wall and seeing what stuck. Yeah, and I and would I say, I would say that... The WWE has never been really very good at humor in general. Like, yeah. Even, these aren't good. Like, in fact, they are mostly very, very bad. Yeah. Like, in in fact, concept, a lot, a lot of the, like, the stuff that isn't just straight up promos, uh, the segments are really scattershot. They're all over the place. They're either way too long or too short. The only thing that redeems a lot of this stuff is that The Rock, Mick Foley, and Triple H are all so good at giving promos. Stephanie oh, yeah. is not good on the mic right now. I should nope. just be very clear. She is very much not, you know, for a variety of reasons. I don't think it's worth, like, going into 
like exactly why and how she's bad on the mic, but she just is. Like she's not charismatic. Um, she doesn't quite know what she's saying, and and stuff just drags on. In fact, like to help me like figure out what parts were relevant and stuff, I was like going through this blog of this person that was rewatching all the stuff of this era. And there was a lot of stuff of like, this ran 20 minutes and it said nothing. And I'm like, yep, mm hmm. That's exactly. Uh -huh. So it was like, literally, it was, you know, we've come from an era where we had a couple standout people that really did all our work for us. And now we're trying to transition into something new. We didn't really have any kind of backup plan. So how do we get <laughs> from where we were to where we're going? And yeah. so it was literally just improv and throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. And exactly. A lot of it did not stick. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's it's not good. I will say that the fake mankind does a pretty good mankind impression. Um, <laughs> um, but I. Yeah, yeah the I, guy's I, name is like Midian or something. Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah. You know, they have the fake McFoley and I think it's entirely relatable the portions, like, I don't know how they thought that it could draw heat when the fake McFoley's just wandering around Universal Studios Orlando just wanting to ride on one more ride, because th that feels very relatable. And also scaring children, but sometimes you do accidentally scare children. Um, sometimes the big shark is scary. Sometimes you want to go on Back to the Future one more time, which I don't think exists anymore, but that's okay. It does not. So I don't I don't I don't know how they thought it was bad, but as he turns around denied from going on Back to the Future one more time, uh, the real Mick Foley shows up fighting with him and yes, and you're trying to make him go away. Yeah, in, <laughs> in Universal, Universal Studios. Studios. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a seg he like throws him into the trash cans. It's a lot, um, but the Universal Studios like segments were really good. I liked them a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, and all this like. All of this stuff kind of culminates in, like, Mankind, like, asking Triple H for, like, a match and, like, absolutely getting annihilated by him. Like, yeah. it is not, it's not nice to watch. It no. is, like, one of those, it's one of those things where well, you're, like, Well, it's an oh, eight-man, it's an eight-man tag. Yeah. But, uh, it's Degeneration X versus The Rock, Mankind, and The Acolytes. Um, but and mankind gets tagged in about halfway through, and then from then on, it's just mankind versus Triple H. I I don't know how Ma mankind McFoley ends up with a crimson mask, but he does. He's bleeding all over. Yeah, like underneath the mask and on his shirt, it is like it's one of those things where you're like, I didn't, I don't want to watch that. Like it's awful. Like Triple yeah. H has done this before. Like he he just goes over the edge with people like and this is what happens like with with mick and he's he makes him bleed he like leaves him laying and yeah. it is like it's like the worst way to end like a, a night you're like i feel really bad now thanks wrestling <laughs> <laughs> i will say mankind's ddt's like mick fully does ddt's so well mm-hmm yeah, the double um, when he just good. Yeah, when he just grabs them and like slams them down, it's so satisfying in this way that's really difficult to articulate, but Yeah, no. It's satisfying in the way that like when you hear the like the clicking buttons like in Half-Life when you click on a thing. Like, yeah. It's yeah, it's the same. It's it's got the same kind of like uh But it's got like a very thing. physical weightiness to it that just Yes. Like not that Dean Ambrose's DDTs are bad. It's just like 
you can see the through line there for sure, right? Oh, because abs- um, oh, absolutely. As a character, Dean Ambrose is also like kind of similar to McFoley. Um, he's McFoley. Mankind is more of a loser than Dean Ambrose is, though. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think there's any way on earth you can make uh John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose into like a loser character. No, oh, don't even try. It's not. It's not there. That's not it. Yeah. Uh, but this is a very important thing that happens, even though it's horrific, because the next night on SmackDown, uh, Mick comes. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie come to the ring and they start their whole shtick again. And they have the fake mankind come out and get on his knees and beg Triple H for forgiveness. Yeah, and he's on his, like, hands and knees. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. And it's, like, the height of Triple H and Stephanie's, like, just unrepentant nastiness. And it's interrupted by, you know, mankind The mankind music out. again. And again. they're like, a what? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. I was listening to something earlier today. And it's funny because, like, <laughs> one of the announcers, so, like, Jerry the King Lawler, is, like, convinced that the person in the ring is mankind. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. It's really and funny. And JR's like, uh, something's not right about him. And they're like, no, it's mankind. It's mankind. <laughs> That's my Jerry Lawler impression. It's very good. It's very accurate, Mikey. Um, um, yeah. He's so- wearing the same bloody shirt from Raw. Yes. And and he has a lot of words to say. He certainly does. And uh, we're going to play a clip here because this is one of my favorite, I think one of my favorite moments of the Attitude Era, like at, at any time, because I think it's just got a really good vibe. So we're going to put it right here. Triple H, that is enough. We saw a vicious side of Mick Foley Monday night after being driven through the table by Is this what you get all fun making fun of me? How much more do you want from me? First, you take away my job. Then you bring this idiot out there and you take away my dignity. Then Monday night in what should have been the greatest night of my life when I was reinstated on Roy's war. You take me and you ruin my shirt. What? And you ruin my face. And I'll be honest, when I stepped into that shower and I let the cold water run down on my head and I looked down at the blood as it swirled around that shower drain, I started thinking a little bit about what mankind was. Now mankind is an entertaining son of a gun. Mankind is a pretty damn good author. Mankind is one tough SOB. And mankind is one hell of a fighter. So it saddens me to say that after the beating you gave me on Monday night, one thing mankind is not is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. 
Is that? Because you are without a doubt the game. You are the best in the business right now. And as you said, well, mankind in some ways is nothing more than a beaten up, pathetic fool. But I think the WWF fans deserve a substitute in that match. A substitute? He's checking it out? What I'm gonna do, Triple H, is I'm gonna name him right now. As a matter of fact, I think you know the guy. Mankind comes out, but what's lurking under the surface is Cactus Jack. Yeah. Do you want to explain Cactus Jack, Charlie? Yes, I will. So, Mick does have, as I mentioned previously, three distinct personas. Obviously, Mankind, who we've been, you know, following along on this journey. Um, Dude Love, who we haven't seen here, but that's a very different character. And his third persona is called Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack is Mick's previous persona in another company. So he actually wrestled as Cactus Jack. Several other companies. Yeah, he actually wrestled as Cactus Jack in WCW. And he was doing a lot of things as Cactus Jack in Japan. And Cactus Jack is the uh, king of the deathmatch. So yeah, it was actually how he, from what I could tell on Wikipedia, it was actually how he made his debut in professional wrestling was as Cactus Jack. He, yes. So this guy is kind of the anti- like I, I kind of the antithesis antithesis of everything mankind is. Like he's not at all that funny guy. He's not like he he's. Build is the most sadistic person in WWE. He likes pain. He likes hurting people. He likes being hurt. And basically what's happened is that Triple H has pushed Mick so far that the only way that he knows how to like best him at this point is to be sicker and more sadistic and and break into this persona. Um like have that happen. Like to make sure that he gets the job done and as i'm explaining this to you mikey do you know what this reminds me of (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) yes uh cactus jack is the is uh, cactus jack to mankind okay mankind is to cactus jack as kenny omega is to the cleaner so oh see i thought you were gonna say mankind is to cactus jack as Dean Ambrose is to John Moxley. Also that too, but those are both through lines. Uh mm-hmm. like so you can take those if that helps you like think about it in an easier way. 
Uh, so basically, this is a bad dude. Uh, or like, let's let's think of like a non wrestling for those of those of us or those in the audience who are maybe not familiar with the people that we're talking about as touchstones. Like, it's it's not like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde situation or anything like that. It's I'm trying to think of like how you would. Describe Anytime it. you've seen like somebody say we need. We need the old you. Like, we need this you. Like, so, like, any TV show or movie where you see, like, where you have somebody who's, like, old, like, weathered and maybe they've moved on past some past things that they've done um, and they're trying to move on with their life, but something happens. Oh, kind of like John Wick. A little like John Wick. Yeah. There's probably a Fast and the Furious movie that applies here, too. I'm sure. Or, like... Or, you know, the thing that I went to first is, like, John McClane at the beginning of Die Hard versus John McClane at the end of Die Hard. We talk about Di- we talk about Die Hard every single episode of Nash Club. <laughs> I told you that. That's, like, the one, the one through line. There's something else, too, but I don't remember what it was. Just watch There's Die two... Hard if you haven't already, clearly. There's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, so... You know, Triple H's actions have brought out uh, something he didn't intend on bringing out. And I will say, like, one of my favorite things about the clip that was just played is it's it's the delivery. And it's like what you don't see happening is like as, you know, Mick is talking, uh, talking, he's like unbuttoning this bloody shirt and underneath it is it's the Cactus Jack shirt. What you don't see just by listening to the audio clip is Triple H's face. <laughs> like, it is, like, I think that's, like, Well, because really... he was, like, elated when uh, Mick said mankind isn't ready to face Triple H. He was so elated and smug. Mm-hmm. And then just the complete 180 to But Cactus Jack is, and mm-hmm. just that being Triple H's worst nightmare. Absolutely. And he does, he has this, like, he has this, like, absolutely, like, shocked, like, and equal parts terrified face on. And it is, like, it's really, really good. Um, And, you know, Cactus, like, gets to the ring and beats the shit out of him and sends him and Stephanie running. So, it, it's a hell of a moment. I love it. It's, like, it's yeah, one it's of really the most, good. like, wrestling things ever. And it's, like, if I want to be, like, hey, this is why I love wrestling. Like, here it is. Like, I know you need some content context to understand but like it's like the very synthesis of like i've got like okay well i'm maybe i'm not ready to do this but i know someone who is so it's like got the same vibe as like oh is this going to be somebody a surprise but like in this case it's it is a surprise but it's like also here's this it's it's you know what it is it's the one good part of um i think it's avengers age of ultron where they go and find or maybe it's the original the original Avengers where they go and find Bruce Banner and he's like holed up in some, you know, hovel essentially and they're like we need the Hulk and he's like the Hulk yeah. isn't here. So they antagonize the Hulk into coming out. It's literally that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I that's a that's a really other that's a good other touch point. So yeah, for if you haven't seen Die Hard, <laughs> yeah, if you have, yeah, if you haven't seen Die Hard, you probably should because we talk about it every single episode. I mean, it's a good film. It is. There's, you there's should a watch lot it. There, it's, it's a there's a lot there to play with. Uh, but yeah, so Mankind also cast Ripley and Die Hard. You had cowards. 
<laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, so, Mankind wasn't ready for the street fight in Madison Square Garden, but Cactus Jack is, so it's on for the Royal Rumble 2000. It'll be a street fight between Cactus Jack and Triple H for the WWF at the time championship. Uh, so, a little bit of significance here, where Madison Square Garden is, like, a his, like a very historic arena but it's also like in in mixed story it is an arena that he went to he like hitchhiked to like as a kid like see wrestling so it's got like a very 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 much significance to make himself so it's like building this big fight feel for this like return of cactus jack and like, kind of debut of Cactus Jack, almost, and, like, going to Madison Square Garden and having a street fight, which is obviously not really in Triple H's wheelhouse, so they would make you, you know, make you believe that. Um, he's a good technical wrestler, but, like, street fight, that's definitely Cactus Jack. Definitely king of hardcore. Um, so it sets it all up for uh, the Royal Rumble 2000, which is one of the most critically acclaimed pay-per-views WWE has ever put on. So, like, as Cactus Jack is preparing for his street fight um you know we can go back to the clip that you heard at the beginning of the episode um and i just i love like the cadence it's almost like spoken poetry in a way you woke up the sob when you cracked me over the head with that ring bell remember it well remember it well and when i felt the warm blood run down my face i'd be lying if i said i didn't like it just a little bit like god he's good He's so good at promos. It's very good. It's, and then, it, like, it reminds when he's, me a lot of, of Dean. Yeah. And then when he's talking about, like, all the things that he's been put through to get to where he is today and to be ready for that fight at Madison Square Garden, like, because it's all those things, Triple H, that made me what I am. And what I am is one bad son of a bitch. Like, just, oh, it's so good. Mm hmm. And, you know, Triple H comes out, and one of the things I like about this, that, like, that Triple H promo, too, is that he's, he's not, and one of my favorite, okay, so a really good thing in wrestling, you don't want to run your opponent down. Like, you don't want to say, yo, you're nothing, like, if you don't let make the audience believe that, the, like, there's an actual fight here, then what are we even doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, instead of, like, running, like, Triple H, at this point in time, sometimes he doesn't really know how to do that uh, without doing the other two. But in this, he comes out and he's like, like, I think, you know what I think? I think Mick Foley hates Cactus Jack. So he's like, kind of playing like Mick's percent, like, like this thing he's had to like metamorphosize into against like himself. He's like trying to make those like, those two personalities clash because that's kind of right. Like, you know, Mick's a really nice guy. Like, he's, you know, happy-go-lucky, and he loves his family and all of this. And Cactus Jack is not bad. He's he's mean and sadistic and likes pain and likes hurting people. But, you know, Mick doesn't like hurting people. And it's just very, yeah, I love the, I love, like, kind of, like, he's trying to get into, like, Cactus's head a little bit. And I really like that part of the promo, too, because I think it's job well done by Triple H. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like some of these are not like Triple H sometimes sounds good on the mic, but then you realize that he's just saying 
essentially like garbledygook. Like that <laughs> that kind of ended up happening um with the fake Mick. Like he said a lot of words, but then you're like thinking about it. Like and those words sound really good and it almost kind of like lulls you because he has like a good cadence and a strong voice. But then yep. you're like, what are you actually saying? Like Yeah, you're not saying it's anything. not anything meaningful. But um it's better here, um, for sure. Like they're meeting like just the way that they talk to each other is just egging each other on to be the worst versions of themselves. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and, and that it's really good. Yeah, and that kind of continues. They kind of do really like we're not going to listen to it because it's really to me the same promo just phrased differently um, in the SmackDown right before the Royal Rumble. Um, but I did want to bring that out because uh, notably. Um, Triple H is like, well, you know, you're still Mick Foley. You still have a family and they're going to be like, what are you doing to them? Like, why are you doing this? Like trying to convince him to not have this fight and that he doesn't have the fortitude to do it. Also, Triple H lied and said Mick Foley couldn't make it. And he was obviously there. Um, and, you know, Mick Counter saying they're watching tonight, but they're not going to they're not going to watch the Royal Rumble. They won't be there. They won't be in the front row. They won't have the TV on. I don't want their quote, I don't want their innocent little eyes to look at the bloodshed that will surely take place. You know, being clear like it's going to be so bad, I won't let my kids watch. It's just like Mhm. Mm um I do want to say at one point, JR says sharp metallic objects, I think. And that is a Charlie phrase if I've ever heard one. <laughs> it's um, true. It's true. But so Cactus Jack does want to give his kids a preview of the Royal Rumble. Um, and he does that. And with Stephanie looking on in horror as Triple H goes down with just his entire lip and gums just busted open bleeding. And that's how. <laughs> that go smackdown home. That's, ends that's how you do a go home show right yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean for that phrase if you don't know what that means uh go home show is the show before the pay-per-view so basically we want to get a little preview about what about what you're going to see uh, on the pay-per-view or what you want to pay money to see on the pay-per-view so yeah uh. i will say triple h's ability to bleed and become a crimson mask <laughs> is rivaled potentially only by the Rhodes family <laughs> <laughs> that's it's true there are a couple good bleeders uh in uh the wwe at this point in time one of them unfortunately is not in in the company right now um as, as we're as we were watching this but uh it's yeah no triple h and we're gonna encounter that again uh because we are moving right along to the oh Royal yeah Rumble there's a lot of bleeding in the royal rumble <laughs> oh yeah uh i really like the intro to the royal rumble so we're gonna listen it's to it so now. extreme yeah, we're going to listen to that now. They call you Cactus Jack. They call you Triple H. King of the Death Match. The WWF champion. The myth that lost an ear and a man that will go to any length to win. Barbed wire scars, scars. C4 explosives, blood, sweat, and tears. You've maimed, crippled, and injured men your entire career. Some say you shoot from the hip. You will lose this street fight. I say you just shoot your mouth off. Some say you can't be beat. I am the game. I say I've played this game before and won. 
I am Triple H. I am Cactus Jack. Some call me sick and sadistic. I am the sickest SOB in the business. I call myself the World Wrestling Federation Champion. There will be no laughter, no, laughter. no regret, no regret, no remorse. Yeah, I like it. It's very extreme, but they're putting each other over. It's really good. I like it a lot. It's like, um, da, 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 da. yeah, <laughs> your Cactus Jack, King of the Death Match. Uh, yeah, it's really your good. Triple H, the WWE Champion. <laughs> I like so, it. <laughs> one thing that surprised me is that this match was the undercard. This wasn't the main event. No, and in wasn't. a lot of ways, it seems to me like to be almost better than the main event. Um, the Royal Rumble is not good this year. No, it's bad. <laughs> and like the rest like, of the, the matches Royal are Rumble ends in a in a kind of a schmozzy finish, like which leads to some of the plot lot plot lines like after this this pay-per-view, uh, because the big show and the rock start feuding over who won the who actually won the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, but but this show is very just, compacted. Yeah, I think it just goes to show just really how much they did not know what was the draw and what wasn't and like what they were doing in a booking and storyline sense. So just please do yourselves a favor if you are able to, and just go find a picture or YouTube video of the set for this street fight, because they built this whole set for this fight, but it wasn't the main event. Like that just boggles my mind. You would not do that nowadays. I feel it's, like you just you no, just wouldn't you wouldn't book you you wouldn't book a match that felt bigger than 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 the rumble itself like the rumble yeah. now is obviously like it's it's the big deal um, yeah even even in the like the cinematic matches that we got recently in WrestleMania like the cinematic matches leading like of all the cinematic matches that took place which I think there were like three or four. The biggest one was the main event, which was John Cena and Bray Wyatt doing the Twin Peaks shenanigans. Like, and that yeah. felt like the biggest one of those. And all of the rest of them built up to that one. It's, yeah, it's so weird. It's, it's That's just a belt bizarre. On, belt on the line in a street fight with this really good angle and it's not your main event because the rumble has to be because it's the Royal Rumble. Yeah, uh, they apparently really didn't know most of the card until that maybe that SmackDown that you watch that was on. Like it's that that tracks. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of what was going on around this time. So, um, well, and yeah. it's also notable that this was literally supposed to be Mick Foley's last match, and I think that's part of why, like, um, because I did go and watch like a WWE backstage segment. <laughs> Oddly enough, um, but that's part of why I think it makes sense to me that they wanted to give, and in that, Triple H himself said he wanted to give Mick Foley a big send-off. Like, he wanted this to be a match that he could feel proud of ending his career on. And I think in that context, it makes sense why they threw, like, they knew this was going to happen. They didn't know a lot of the other stuff was going to happen. So it's like, well, we're going to make this big grand stage to to send him off but it is weird that mm -hmm. it's surrounded by all this other stuff and just kind of sit, sitting in the middle of this pay-per-view yeah madison square garden is uh the most claustrophobic arena ever yeah it seems to me especially with the set they've built um 
It's it's so weird. It looks like it like the the wrestlers walk in from a, like a gate or like a door that's like like mocked up to be like this alleyway, and there's like this taxi that's like it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I love the design of the set. There's like oh, a good. car that has crashed over the top of the Royal Rumble like header and um like where a basketball team would come through is where the car's sticking out and where like the alley quote unquote is for the street fight um mm-hmm. one thing that's notable that i don't think we brought up yet is it seems like to me and you can confirm or deny that mick fully tends to come out from the audience oh no that doesn't happen ever. okay there's just like a couple times then in this where he came out from the audience because they were like not not in this one specifically, but there were a couple times where he was like, they were like, where is he coming from? Yeah, no, that, that's not a, that's not a thing. Just, just happened to be a weird coincidence that it had a couple, happened a couple times in this feud. Because I was like, is that where <laughs> Dean got his thing from? But no. Oh, no, no, no. Um, several wrestlers have, have done that, but not Mick. Um, but yeah. this, yeah, so the atmosphere is uh, electric for this one. Uh, we've got uh, J.R. At, at his prime on uh as one of the uh commentary so that's always going to be a good time and let me just tell you the street fight for the Royal Rumble 2000 is very good <laughs> yeah yeah triple h you know uh cactus jack comes out first and it's all like his music's kind of cool and kind of upbeat and the lights are all on which is great. It's like, yeah, he's here. And then all the lights shut off and Triple H's music comes on, which I just want, I, I think we should probably like layer this. I'll layer this on the background. Um, Triple H's intro is amazing and the lights are off and the music's coming and he's like walking out through the street fight area and Stephanie's doing this whole like dark eyed menacing Thing behind him with like dark eyeliner on and he's drinking his signature bottle of water so then he can do his spray of water <laughs> and like it's regardless of the speculation on how Triple H achieved his physique he really does like exude like and this is where he starts kind of transitioning like I said from the game as he was known in his Degeneration X era to what would become known as in his new moniker, the Cerebral Assassin. Like, he's really this darker, menacing killer side of him is coming out and like, just fully embodying it. And again, it's like, I hate how attractive he is to me in that mode, but that makes me like, I hate it. Please beat him up please get rid of this yeah please get rid of this immediately take him away i hate this yeah. man i, agree. I hate my this time, hot man my, yeah my time the intro music right before triple h gets his like standard like it's all about the game and how you play it by motorhead is really good um i really like it it the intro is like awesome and you know there's a little nice little touches like like stephanie comes to the ring with hunter but then he sends her in the back so, like, that's, like, a really nice little touch because, it's like, oh, no, it's too dangerous. Like, don't be here. Yeah. Even though they've his... been, like, glued to each other's sides for months at this point. Yeah, his his bride can't be here to witness this, you know. <laughs> I think JR says something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, something. He's like, I agree with that. Nice. That, that's a good call. Um, 
And, you know, at this point, like, they keep, like, shooting, like, like the camera keeps coming back to, like, Cactus in the ring, and he's just staring at Hunter as he, like, makes his entrance, and, like, the lights are all flashing. around. It's so good. Um, yeah, and... If you haven't seen Triple H, he wears, like, tiny leather briefs, and he has, uh, he's not, like, as huge as, like, some of the guys of WWE this era, but he's, like, super broad-shouldered, skinny waist, like, hulking chest and shoulders, um, and it's definitely, it's definitely a look, shall we say. It, it sure is, and, you know, meanwhile, Cactus Jack has his flannel on with his t-shirt and his, like, uh his black pants and his leopard skin boots and i and he's got a little hair and a like half ponytail i also love cactus here like he's yeah i love that he's like not a super tr- like i love these two like very diametrically opposed people because that's kind of what this whole thing boils down to is like triple h is everything that the wwe thinks a wrestler should be and cactus jack is everything that the wwe does- doesn't think can make it in the w in in, in the world wrestling federation at the time or you know wwe as it is now and i really like those dueling philosophies because they're on display like very evidently here um and it's this match like starts out with them kind of just like they're mouthing off to each other in the ring um and then it just kind of like it dissolves from there yeah and where it really breaks bad is when triple h gets so pissed off by everything that's happening that he rips the ring bell off of the like timekeeper's table and bangs it into the head of Cactus Jack. Yeah. And it, from there it's all downhill from there. It it definitely is. Like it starts with some like just like some straight like right hands in the ring but after that point like you said Mikey it just kind of like bubbles over cuz it doesn't go back in the ring. They go around and they go into the alley yeah. area which and- like it's important to note um it's a street fight so it's no disqualifications like anything goes um but the where the claustrophobia for me comes into play is when they go into the audience like there's literally nowhere for them to fight oh yeah no chefs from catering like there's people with chef's hats just like literally right next to them and they're like duking it out um I don't think anyone's bleeding at this point, but it's like, no, it's just a crush of you can't you literally cannot even see them fight because there's so many people around them. Yeah, no. So they like they immediately come out from the audience because like that's like that's not a great idea. Yeah, I just don't like people. Yeah, I just think it like just wasn't safe. So it's like, let's get out of here because this just is not happening. Yeah. And then they like go into that like alleyway, which is like also the rampway when all the wrestlers have come down and. Like, there's different, like, things going on there, and um, Mick suplexes Triple H onto a a wooden pallet that goes on to puncture, it it punctures Triple H's calf, and so for the rest of the match, Triple H has this large bleeding gash in his calf that he continues to wrestle um, while this is happening. So in that back... WWE backstage segment Triple H said he didn't even realize he had been like it didn't enter into his mind that he had been injured the way he was he just like was like oh something's like I there's some pain or something I'm just gonna brush it off and like pull it out of my leg and keep going because the adrenaline was so high it didn't Mm -hmm. even 
click with him how badly injured he was. And there's like a half second where Mick like kind of checks him over and because Triple H doesn't realize what's going on, like he's like, yeah, let's do the next move. And so they keep going and it's just like, it's bloody. It's a mess. There's trash cans and bricks and like a fake metal uh sewer grate <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh this like the set is incredible and they like they kind of brawl back to the ring at this point and um you know get back into the ring and it's one thing i will say is that i like the way i like i really like the physicality that like cactus jack brings because like every punch that he's laying on hunter like looks like it hurts yeah um, the man is 300 pounds yeah, it's so it's there's a lot of like force there. So he's just like punishing Triple H. Like this is just like what you wanted to see. Like you wanted to see like Triple H just get his comeuppance for everything that he's done and and you do. Yeah. You get you I, get it you I, get it in spades. I looked up how much McFoley weighed just because I was curious cuz a lot of times they'll say Big Show is 500 pounds. That man is not 500 pounds. But McFoley was, there were only two times in his career, wrestling career, where he was under 300 pounds. Yeah, I mean, now he is again because of the wonders of DDP yoga. DDP um, which yoga. Is, it's a, we should really it's a do thing. a whole special episode on DDP We yoga. should. It's great. Uh, yeah. So, like, th- this all happens and then it breaks on even further because uh, Cactus goes under the ring and pulls out. His trusty barbed uh, two by four covered in barbed wire. So barbed wire weapons don't make me feel squeamish in any way, shape, or form because barbed wire is usually pretty safe. Uh, uh, it's uh, not not when it's not in, it's not when it's in the hands of Cactus Jack. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so they they go into the ring and there's well, like a back he, and forth. To with be this clear, two by four. Cactus Jack drags Hunter by his hair back to the ring. Correct. Because at this point, I don't think, like, like they're doing it. I don't know that Hunter is, like, 100% at this point. Like, uh, like in reality, I don't <laughs> think he was 100%. Well, they go back into the ring regardless, and they do a, a back and forth with this barbed wire 2x4 where no one, nobody is getting hit right away, but Triple H somehow manages to get it out of Cactus's hands and hits him in the back with it and when he so the barbed wire being hit with the barbed wire itself does not phase me in the slightest when i see it pull back and i see it get like sticky like we're stuck in clothing yeah when my body like freezes up like yeah and also it's when triple h goes to grab the barbed wire and swing it at mcfoley it becomes really evident how much Triple H just cannot stand up, like just how injured that leg is. It's still bleeding and he cannot, like he is super unsteady on his feet and noticeably limping. But it <laughs> doesn't, it point, really, I don't like, really think it takes, it does, uh, to, for me, it doesn't take away from the match. Like I'm not. Oh, no, no, hey, no. Yeah. It's just like, it's really obvious then how injured he is. Cause up until that point, he hadn't been on his feet. His Mick had like dragged him and he just he'd slammed him against the ring stairs and then thrown him up onto the ring while he went to go look for plunder. Yes. It it only gets worse from there because, you know, Cactus does finally get a hold of the two by four and punishes 
Triple H with it, and he starts after like a well, like a well, like grinding his forehead on this barbed wire. Triple H is then busted open, and he just yeah, like, the blood just starts flowing out of face, and it is like so much. It is so yeah. red. Also, at one point, like Triple H, like knocks knocks uh McFoley down before mocking him and then i think how he actually grabs it is um cactus jack grabs it from behind him and then uses it on the underside of triple h's legs Mm -hmm. and so that's like how this all starts so yeah and then he just proceeds to meet grinder it like you were saying Mm -hmm. and it is not it's not nice from here on out and it, I do find it funny that the referee try, does try and take the two by four away and gives it to the Spanish, one of the Spanish commentators who tries to put it under the the desk. And so yeah. when Nick realizes that he doesn't have his two by four anymore, he goes, he goes after it. Yeah. But, you know, at that point, they, they end up over by the announce table and you know, trying to go through it. And then we get this, like, iconic shot of Triple H just bleeding all over the announce table. And there's, like, blood splattered all over Mm -hmm. it. And just legs, face, bleeding. You know, (laughs) JR and Jerry are, like, on their feet trying (laughs) to find somewhere to stand. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a lot like i don't think this is i i don't think this is too much i think that i think it's a great match to watch i don't think it's like it's yeah it's like it's a street it's a street fight it's not like a death match or anything like that it's so it it does have some like it's got some continuity running through it it's not just like let's find let's find out the next like like weird thing we can do is um but it it definitely has a lot of blood and it absolutely ends uh when you know Mick basically has Triple H on the rope for a lot of this match um and then Cactus goes under the ring and grabs his bag and i think Jerry says something like it's a sandbag <laughs> and then it's like that jingly sound when it's turned upside down and all of these thumbtacks just spill well, out Well we of forgot the ring. let's 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 go back for a second um because we forgot the part where um a Triple H brings handcuffs out at some point um oh, to yeah, handcuff right. Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack manages to send Triple H's face into the stairs, but you know, the Triple H gets back up and knocks Cactus Jack over with a clothesline and literally destroys a chair over the top of Cactus Jack. Um and Cactus Jack is just screaming, hit me, hit me, mm-hmm. hit me, as he does it. And then the rock interrupts them. Yeah, that's right. The rock comes with the with the uh, keys to the handcuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, that's it's, that's it's, a it's, very good moment. You know, he doesn't even have to fight physically because it's he's fighting psychologically. And he's, like, winning. He's got Triple H on his side. Like, he's drug him so far from where he was that... Yeah. He's just like destroying and battering this man. Cause I think, you know, I don't think Cactus Jack's intentions were to win the WWF championship. I think it was to utterly destroy whatever soul Triple H had left. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're wrong. Absolutely, I don't think you're wrong. Um, but it does, 
like it does and break then, down into this the, the, affirm, the aforementioned thumbtacks. Yeah, um, once he's freed, his hands are free again. And I don't think I've ever seen uh, Mick Foley or Cactus Jack or any one of them bring out a bag full of thumbtacks and ever not go in them. So Yeah, like nine times out of ten, the people that bring out that kind of shit are the ones going into it. Yes. Um, so, you know, he tries to go to grapple on, on Triple H and Triple H flips Cactus Jack over him and turns him into a human pincushion not once but twice but um i mean cactus does kick out of out of that um yeah so he does once triple h does a his finisher which is the pedigree charlie what exactly is the pedigree because i cannot tell like what it's supposed to be triple h does it so quickly it's like um it's not really. I I don't know what how to classify the move. Like I don't know if I what I would call it. Like it's not a pile driver. Like, maybe it's a derivative of one. But basically, like he grabs you, he gets both of your arms and your heads between his legs, and he like drops down to his knees, and like so your face go right into the mat. Like and that has happened. Like it is. If you don't know how to take that, like you're going to break something on your face. Um, and in this case, right. uh, so there's a pedigree in the thumbtacks. Yeah, so I looked it up. Um, it is a double underhook face buster. The wrestler okay. bends their opponent forward, placing the opponent's head between the wrestler's legs, and then applies a du- double underhook, which is just mm-hmm. grabbing, um, basically grabbing hands underneath on the opponent. The wrestler then performs a kneeling or sit-out face buster. So you're grabbing, you're bending someone forward, putting their head between your legs, hooking your arms underneath, and then sitting down with them so their face hits the ground. Yeah. In in in, in thumbtack. In in yeah, thumbtack. In thumbtacks. But like I, I want to be clear, Triple H does it so quickly, he just like you cannot tell what is happening. It's just he grabs you and then you're on the ground. He grabs them and then they're on the ground in thumbtacks. Yeah. And when Cactus is flipped over after the one, two, three, uh, he's got these thumbtacks like sticking out of his face. Like, yeah. And they're bloody. Triple H's face and leg are bloody. Everything is bleeding let, right let's be now. Clear. Triple H won the match, but he didn't really win anything. No, and that's that's the thing again. Like, you know, and not only that, but the like the fighting continues after the one, two, yes. three. Um, yes. you know, they try because Triple H has like really for real been injured. They bring a stretcher out, but Mick Foley grabs the stretcher and like wheels Triple H back into the ring. And like slams him bodily into the ring off the stretcher. Mm-hmm. And like has the barbed wire again, and he just will not stop. Yeah, no. And I mean deserves all that and more, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so like like I said, uh, uh Cactus Jack doesn't win here, but it is It's a psychological victory. 
Yeah, but it's a psychological thing, and it's absolutely not the it's not the blow off to the feud as maybe was expected because after the Royal Rumble two thousand, uh, you know this is this is really far from over. It it going to it's going to get worse from here. And if you think that the street fight was bad, uh, you haven't seen the Hell in a Cell. Back when the Hell in the Cell had a mystique about it. Um, which was, we only do this, like, when things get bad enough that we have to put you inside the hell in a cell. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gosh. I just yeah. clicked back through really quick, and I saw, um, you know, it kind of ends with Stephanie looking on in horror as uh, Mick Foley raises his fist above, like, a prone and bloody uh triple h on the mat and he does his signature cactus jack double finger guns bang bang mm -hmm. and by doing that and like doing his little like head shake that goes with it it knocks the thumbtacks off of his head that were still there mm -hmm. it's a lot that's a uh, that's like that's up there with uh mox spitting the thumbtacks out of his mouth i mean um, same energy right like exactly that's where energy. this came from like yeah. you c like seeing the through line there um from like this to the AEW match John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in mm -hmm. um what was it all out full gear or full gear sorry like that's that's the same like that's where that came from like that has to be hearkening back to that right yeah like, no th th like that match from last year, Full Gear is absolutely a hundred percent like, like pulling from down this. to the bringing the bag out and shaking it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except, except it there was glass was in the bag. Broke. Yeah. Yeah. Except for it was they had both glass. glass and thumbtacks in that, you know, because if there's one thing, we'll get into Kenny Omega next episode. But if there's one thing you need to know about Kenny Omega, if you don't know anything else about him, is the man is. One of the most extra human beings on the planet. So yes. not just thumbtacks, but also glass from a table. <laughs> yes. Uh, that he was... Got, he was put through. Yeah, it's got yeah. history. Uh, <laughs> romantically dismantling your opponent. It's 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 going to be good. That's not where yeah. we are right now. Right now, we are... Uh, we're kind of ramping up to what will be the blow-off to this fight, which is, as I mentioned, the Hell in a Cell match, which... But not just any regular Hell in a Cell... The name of this pay-per-view is No Way Out. It is. Um, and at this point, uh, things have broken down between Cactus Jack and Triple H so badly that Triple H says, I'll have this match with you, but on one condition, I want your career. Like, my, like, I, I want to be here without you. I want to end your career. And we'll do it in Hell in a Cell. So that's the stipulation on the line uh, at this point. It's we'll have a Hell in the Cell, but if you lose Cactus Jack, you're you're gone. Nick, you have you have to go. Um, As we mentioned in the first episode with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, Mick Foley kind of is famous for giving his all and just utterly destroying his body in the service of Hell in a Cell matches. Mm-hmm. Yep. He flew off the Hell in a Cell 
um, through the announcer's table and and not planned and and went through it when it wasn't. He lost planned. teeth. He lost his teeth. Um, it's a whole situation, but it's basically like this is a this is a match that is known for its like brutality. So obviously, Cactus Jack wants Triple H inside a Hell in a Cell, which yeah. if you don't know, it is a cage. It's got a roof on it. Two uh, tons of unforgiving steel, steel, as the intro package says. It's the most vile, diabolical structure in the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> or maybe, I can't remember if that's the intro package or JR. It might be JR. It's JR. It's definitely yeah. JR. <laughs> I don't even know why I questioned it. it yeah, no, it's it, they have the sound clips at the ready for any time there's a hell in a cell. So I've heard, uh, heard that many times. Um, <laughs> um uh, Cactus yeah. Jack gets a standing ovation when he comes out. Yeah, I mean, this might be his last match, so... Which is entirely well-deserved, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the this match is, I think, not as well-known as the street fight, but I will tell you that this is one hell of a way to go out, if you're going yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, so... uh. So they, you know, they bring the steel cage down and then they lock them in it. And because they're like with a thick chain and padlock, um, you know, hence the no way out. And almost a little bit of mankind comes back when the chains come on the doors. You know, Mick Foley starts grabbing at them. And well, that is well, that is because Cactus Jack promised that he would take Triple H to the top of the cell and throw his body off of it. So yeah. if the door's locked, he can't get out. And, you know, Stephanie McMahon is just mocking him. Yeah, like, yeah, there's no way out. Because she she is here this time. She's not behind the scenes um, in, in a way. I, I'm not really sure why she's out here, but she does add some things to the To, to antagonize. <laughs> she She's doing the meme of the... Um, like, she's doing the same thing the woman does in that meme where they're yelling at this cat sitting in cat, front of yeah. her. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. she's just doing that. Yeah. This uh, this whole match, I think, it doesn't, it it is basically how fast can, how fast can we get to the top of this cage? So there's, don't get me wrong, there's a lot that goes on in this match. But it is all revolving around the thing that Cactus Jack said, which is like, I'm going to go to the top of the cage, like I did at King of the Ring 1998, and I'm going to throw you off of it. So the entire time, like, the crowd and everybody is, like, waiting for this to happen. So there's a lot of things that happen. Like, obviously the door is locked, so, like, it's like, oh, okay, so now we're going to play, like, we can't get to the top of the cage, we can't get out. Um, But, you know, Triple H has some... um brutal stare offense that i that makes me cringe so he basically like is hurting uh characters with steps in any way possible um but the funny part of it is is like the steps then because they are thrown let me just be straight up about it triple h throws the steps at cactus jack and it crashes past him into the side of the cage that then just opens up and it opens up so unsafely that when Mick does go out and get out of the cage, Mick's arm is cut. And then, like, as he starts to climb to the top, like, starts to climb the cell, like, it's hard for him to do it because he's got blood, like, on his hands. 
and as and, and he's going on top, like Stephanie is pulling him down. So like she does have a function in this match because I, I really like that spot. How it happens is because he busts out the first time like a bull and he drags his arm like across the raw metal. And then like you see that as he takes Hunter, then chucks him out with him. Yeah. And another spot that I really like that, that comes after that is <laughs> Cactus has the hardware 2x4 again. He pulls it out. And at this point, uh, Hunter knows what that means. So he climbs the cage to get away from it. And it is like the, the thought that it is safer on top of the cage <laughs> than it is to be around the barfire 2x4 is really good <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of ridiculous um like they're just i wrote a note that feeling when two bleeding men are just sliming across the announce table in the cage yep mm-hmm. yep everybody's bleeding uh, yeah and, and then jr says the only way out is up thanks jr <laughs> thanks jr so i mean he telegraphs what's happening next so you know mick does get to the top of the cage like chasing after triple h and there are it's absolutely wild things that happen up here. Um, basically, uh, the barbed wire 2x4 comes into play. Um, so Cactus gets some shots on Triple H with it. There is a, a back body drop on top of the cage, which is very much like, oh god, oh god, don't do that. You know what's better than a barbed wire 2x4 on the top of a cage? A barbed wire 2x4 that's on fire? Fire? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that happens. Uh, yeah. He's so, laughing I, maniacally. Like, I can't, like, it's, that's like, I'm like, real. Yeah, that's like mind blowing. Like, oh, this is on fire now, which isn't the last yeah. time fire will come into play. But like, it, he does get one shot on Triple H with this barbed wire two by four that's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And like, then that's, that's the end of that because. Yeah. And then, well, so then he. He's not satisfied with just getting that one shot on him, right? Then yeah. he lets him lay there and he gestures to the audience like, hey, I should do a pile driver on him, right? And everyone's just like immediately pops, like immediate crowd reaction. And then oh, so he thirsty. goes to try to do it and Triple H reverses it into a backdrop through the top of the cage. Cage, yeah. And then it breaks, sending Cactus Jack not only crashing through the top of the cage but literally breaking the ring with the impact yes like that's like 20 feet below him yes so he goes through the cage through the ring and it is like this moment where you're like oh oh okay okay and like the thing i love about this is that triple h gets down and he like pokes Cactus with his foot, like, oh, is he, is he, is he still alive? And when Cactus, like, stirs from the, from falling and, like, starts to get back to his feet, like, Triple H looks like he's, like, doesn't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Like, it, it's, well, it's I think he was, like, acting. legitimately worried, considering Mick's, uh, history, that yes, he was, like, was legitimately planned. hurt. This was very much, this was, this very much planned and very much safer. Oh, okay. As you see, like Mick goes through the top of the cage and falls on his back. Yeah. Um, and not crumples in a heap like it 
1980. Yeah, and he's Hell still he's still breathing. Yes, no, it's absolutely a safe bump. It's absolutely executed the way it needed to be. But like, just the storytelling around like yeah. that particular like, oh, I think he's it might be dead. Uh, but then he like shambles back to his feet. Like it's so good. yeah. Well, and, and then like the refs, a Triple H and the refs are both like frantically trying to get to him. And Mick is just laying there, like in a Mick in a Cactus Jack sized hole, just breathing barely. Um, and then he gets up and like crawls towards Triple H, and Triple H like grabs him by the hair and punches him. Yeah, and it's like it's this very tense like last few moments of this match because it's like back and forth and it's like all fueled by the fact that like jr is doing like some really amazing commentary and um triple h gets mick or (laughs) in the pedigree and like the pedigree is obviously triple h's finisher and it's so protected that like nobody kicks out of the pedigree he puts him in the pedigree and he kicks out and it's just like, oh my god! It's like one of yeah. those like heart and throat moments. And like, meanwhile, like uh, Jr. is like, kick out cactus, kick out! Like, it's so much. Yeah, <laughs> because so then like, he you goes forget, for the like, second like, one, right? Yeah, he goes for a second one because you forget. Like, sometimes it's easy to forget. Like, you know, his career's on the line. Like, he has yeah. to like retire if he loses. So, like, all that fire is behind Jr. when he's like calling this match. Um, and he does get him for a second pedigree, and that time, you know, he doesn't kick out. Yeah, um, and Triple H just sits back and throws his bloody, goopy hair back. He's going to WrestleMania, you know, out comes the stretcher. You know, Mick refuses to get on the stretcher because it's like he doesn't want it to, he doesn't want to go out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wants to, like, he wants to go out on his own, of his own volition, which, yeah. and, you know, JR is, like, putting, like, he's, like, we should give that man a standing ovation. Like, you know, if this was the end, if this was, like, the last one, like, I think that would have definitely been the way to do it. Yeah. And it is really... So, I know we're going to ask um, our ending thoughts here. So, um, you know, was... I'll just ask it of myself, if that's okay. Sure. Like, was the match a good conclusion to the feud in the story? Um, the no way out. I think so. It's hard to one up the street fight, but I think this is about the only way they could have one upped it in order to stop the feud and like just shut him down. Um, and and the other thing is because like he really gave it his all in terms of the match and just like you know everybody's bleeding, everybody's broken, and I think though by Again, like he didn't win, but he won that psychological victory because he pushed mm-hmm. Triple H to become it's like, okay, you're gonna be in charge of this, you're gonna take over, like you need to have the wherewithal to just take me out. And he does repeatedly. Um, you know, he doesn't shy away, he doesn't run away, like and he, you know, becomes the cerebral assassin, like mm-hmm. Really and truly, Triple H does, because then, like, throughout the year of 2000, he is just, like, just ruth. Like, I did some reading, like, he's just ruthless and kind of dominates 
Um, mm-hmm. He becomes he, he becomes the top like the, the top heel that the company needed. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know that all culminates in a a certain way. But um, yeah, no, I I I agree hundred percent. I think the No Way Out Hell in a Cell is um super overlooked. I think um just because the street fight kind of overshadows it as far as like watch this match. I love it. Um, but no, you know if. If Mick's gonna go out, you know, Hell in a Cell is certainly the way to do it. So yeah, um, like the street fight is good. Don't get me wrong, but the the No Way Out Hell in a Cell is just like that's the way to do a Hell in a Cell properly to end a match. Always, uh, a yeah, feud. I know. I mean, <laughs> back, when hell, back in the back when back in the day when Hell in a Cell meant something. Although I will say, I mean, that point, the, the Dean and Seth Hell in a Cell was really good. It just got ruined. Up, yeah, um, up until a point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that. I mean, I'll 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 agree with that. Uh, so, what was your what was the coolest moment or your favorite moment from either one of these matches or the feud in general? Gosh, that's hard to say. I think it's, um, you know, definitely the the one that was like kind of the toughest for me to watch in a way is in the no way out um that we didn't really bring up um at one point um cact or triple h throws cactus's legs into the stairs and then chucks the stairs into cactus jack's head puts Mm -hmm. the chair the stairs on top of cactus jack and starts hammering like a railroad spike in the words of jerry lawler with a chair on top of the stairs and then cactus gets up from that like there's a a bunch of like really good spots in this um yeah there was there's a lot there's a lot but there's a lot of stairs this the stairs kind of like 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 leave sharp metallic objects yeah get away from the stud um yeah no i um i really like it's hard to top the like manifestation of cactus jack yeah that is really good too like that's really really good for me but like if i had to like say like another moment from one of these matches i think you i think it's really hard to top the barbed wire two by four on fire on the top of the hell in a cell (laughs) like i think it's hard to replicate um yeah just just, as a triumphant moment just that exactly um so yeah I'll, i'll i'll have to go with that one um, yeah. Is, is I, there is there any? I think I know the answer to this, Mikey. But is there anything you would change? Uh, anything involving Tori. Just <laughs> oh no, that's right. <laughs> get her out of there. We didn't even bring up bring that up. Um, I, I like there was some situation where Cactus Jack is trying to undermine the people that are protecting other than Degeneration X. Like at one point, there's like bodyguards and stuff that we didn't even get into. But at one point, <laughs> Cactus Jack starts trying to, like, hit on this woman that's Kane's girlfriend, um, Kane, who you might Tori, remember yeah. from the first episode. Um, he tries to hit on her to under to get Kane to fight the fake him. And I'm just like, that is so many levels of convoluted and unnecessary. I just, yeah, like, don't involve Cactus Jack in that. Like, he doesn't need that. He has a family. <laughs> <laughs> he has a fa- if there's one thing you know about Mick Foley, he has a family. family um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. You know, I think the cool. I think actually, like the coolest moment storyline wise is when they do like the fake 
um like the work interview with jr in his house where he's like yeah i'm never coming back and my kids you know i got fired and i wanted to go out on in a way that they could be proud of and now i just didn't get that like it's like you know that's not gonna be the end but just like can you imagine being like a kid especially and watching that interview and just being like mm-hmm. mcfoley's never gonna be able to wrestle again and he's sad about it yeah no no you're it's no it's a hundred percent right which makes like, why the, do you like, think everyone hated triple h so much yeah which makes the reveal of him coming out as cactus jack like those two moments work in concert i think yeah uh and i you know i'll agree uh leave hattori wilson out of this uh leave most of the uh dx skits out of this replace yeah, it with something else dx is just like just, they're just no. not interesting <laughs> it's so funny uh, like leave the one that um like the one thing that went on for 20 minutes was like the promo that triple h does but that and like the back and forth between triple h and mick foley like that was actually good but there's a lot of episodes of smackdown and raw that start with stephanie and triple h coming out and then they just talk for like 10 minutes yeah, and none of no. it n- none of it makes any sense or like adds to it at all it's like funny. get rid of that uh, after after this so after this mick does obviously retire from active competition for a while um but the role he has when he does come back is commissioner so he's the one that ousts triple h and stephanie from power so he becomes like the authority figure uh you know for a good portion of the year 2000 and uh when he comes out when he's announced as commissioner and he comes out like i'm gonna make damn sure that nobody ever has to listen to another boring 20 minute triple h promo ever again (laughs) it's so funny that's really good (laughs) it's so funny um yeah so no i i agree they don't add anything i think you know it they're trying to find their legs and i think it just added to the heat I did. It did add to the yeah. heat. I just think it makes bad, bad, bad. Heat. I think they thought it added to the heat, but it. You know, <laughs> it was just. You go, know it wasn't does? good heat. It was go away heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like the you know I really do think that they are at their best when they're just like fighting and having that physicality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as Mick Foley is really good on the mic. Don't get me wrong, but he's even better like in the ring. I don't you. have a. I don't have a best sign of the night. I, I will tell I you, will there give was a, a cactus sign. I was a cactus sign at the Royal Rumble 2000. Like, I just, someone had made a cactus. <laughs> um, There's a lot of really bad signs. Um, Very however, bad signs, Mikey. It's the Attitude Era. Yeah. Uh, however, I will give a best audience member to the two inexplicable people in the Royal Rumble 2000 who are, as I mentioned before, in chef's hats and attire. I don't know why they're there. I do not i I truly do not understand it but they are right next to the fighting and right in the center of the frame and i can't answer that for you uh i i will i know that that's my best audience members of the night i do know that uh, that i do know that attitude era fans are terrible so i don't want to i don't want to bring attention to their uh terrible signs for the most part um i think i've seen one i saw one that i chuckled at uh it says uh ben drinking six since three sixteen like austin three sixteen that one that one made me laugh a little bit <laughs> yeah. uh but in most part they're not great 
Uh, so we don't care about star ratings here, but Mikey, if you were gonna give it a star, if you're gonna give the Street Fight and or the Hell in a Cell star rating, what would you give it? Uh, two by four stars. <laughs> That's nice. Which equals eight stars. Eight stars. Yeah, give me all your star. Give me, give me all, all your stars. All five of them. Yes. Uh, good. Very good. Um, two by four okay. stars on fire. <laughs> Four flame emojis. Uh, that is my rating for this feud and the matches that uh, happen in the feud. Uh, but uh, that is it for the episode. But we have some questions that uh, I, got, I did ask for questions on Twitter a while ago. I got some. So uh, we're going to address those now. So I will pull these up. Give me one second. So, okay. So at that ace gal asks us, who do you feel is the best deathmatch wrestler that you've seen? So for me, um, I haven't seen a lot of deathmatches, but I'm just going to just tell you that the, the, the deathmatch, the, the, the unsanctioned match, which is basically a deathmatch between Kenny Omega and John Moxley at 2019 Full Gear, it probably is one of my favorite matches of all time. Because not just John knows how to bring it, because he does. And I think he he raids up there for me, absolutely. But like the sadism from Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really do think like again, you know, I brought that up because I do think there's a lot of through lines there. I think um, Kenny Omega and John Moxley wrestling together has a lot of the same energy of uh, Triple H and Mick Foley. I like it's really good, and the storytelling is really good. I do think in terms of just just sheer raw brutality, again, I haven't watched a lot either, but I do think like Mick Foley kind of wins out there just because of how he he did it so the rest of wrestling didn't have to. Yeah. Like no one should have done the things that Mick Foley, like no one should have been put through the things that Mick Foley was put through. Like wrestling in barbed wire, freaking uh, D four explosives. Yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. he he wrestled when he wrestled in Japan. He wrestled in rings that instead of having ring ropes had barbed wire. Wire. Mm -hmm. Um, which they showed some of um when Cactus Jack came back. Um, and I watched some of those. It it is kind of ridiculous. Like the amount of shit that he did. Like. John is good, don't get me wrong. And like I'm sure if I saw some of his more deathmatchy things, like the stuff that he did in CZW, I might even be like more on his side, but just strictly from what I've seen, like Mick Foley is just like he will let himself get beat up in order to push someone to the bad side. And he's good at wrestling himself too. Like when mm -hmm. he when he brings someone down, it is absolutely brutal. And, you know, John's a big guy, but he's not, like, a 300 pounds big guy. And no, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think that that unsanctioned match, like, it just, it did something to me mentally and physically when I watched it. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, for very sure. very much do, very much a lot of things don't. I, like, I couldn't sleep after I watched that, and I cannot stop thinking about it afterward. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but... 
at the Pariah Effect asks, if you could move one wrestler from the Attitude Era to the Modern Era, who would it be? Probably Mick, honestly. True. Would you like to see him still wrestling? Um, I mean, like, I'm thinking of the, like, like, he's transplanted and inexplicably, like, he goes through that Back to the Future ride ah, and is yes. inexplicably wrestling in the modern day or something, right? Like, oh, no, that's true. That, okay. That, I mean, that's how like I that, read that if I, question. If I take, yeah, if I take it like that, I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to answer. So, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Fair. Like, the intensity that Steve brings to, like, literally everything from the Attitude Era is, like, unparalleled. Like, and I say some people get close. But they don't quite get there. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, it's a cop-out answer, it feels like. But it's my answer regardless. Okay. Yeah. No, totally. Move, move along. At, at Awkward Club Pod asks, and this was a while ago, so I'll also ask it because I think it still has value. Uh, what, what did we think of the stadium stampede? Uh, a pure wrestling joy. That's what I thought of the stadium stampede. Agreed. Hard, hard agree. And then here is the most recent question we have, which is, at Robert Secundus asks, uh, what influence do you see on the current era in AEW and WWE in particular from the Attitude Era? What stuff stuck and what stuff do they try and fail to recapture? So here's my thought, and I thought about it. I don't really think that the thing about the Attitude Era is the edginess. Like, I don't think that's, like, the spirit you want to try and recapture or that you should yeah. be trying to. What I believe you should be trying to recapture is the engagement with the audience and giving everybody something to do. So even though, as you kind of mentioned, like even though everything kind of felt can feel ramshackle at times in these episodes of TV from the year 2000, everybody on the roster had something to do. Like they had a story. Like they had yeah. something to do. Even like, if it so... was just part of another correct like, stable. Correct. So I think the thing that I see with AEW is I see, one, that everybody's got something to do, and two, that they are throwing ideas at the wall, but it's all in a better way. Like, we talked about earlier, like, how the Young Bucks synthesized everything that DX and the NWO was, but made it better. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I feel like the elite bring to AEW. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think it was it's it was baked into the gimmick before they got to A they did anything with AEW. So I think those are the good reflections of what's going on like sans the good attitude era stuff in AEW. I think the WWE is lost plot, frank quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. They're uh what is it Reed says? Lost in the sauce. Lost, friend, yes. <laughs> good friend Reed. Uh like they have the names, like they have the recognition, they have the nostalgia, but that's all it is there. Like they're not doing like they're not innovating. Like they're not yeah. trying to like it's it's they're playing finders keepers with all their roster members. So it's like I have this, you can't have this. Like because now there's another company. Like it's yeah. I don't think they're not good at replicating. Like there can be some moments where you're like Oh, that's that feels like it, but a lot of times it feels like old nostalgia. I don't want to see Triple H come out and do crotch chops and say "suck it." Yeah, twenty twenty. Like it's unnecessary. Like I don't want to. Like I do. I want to see. Like I, I always want to see Stone Cold give someone a stunner, but like they bring him out so less often that it's like even then it's like oh okay. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, you know, it's it's just like it all feels a little hollow in WWE trying to reproduce it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and the other thing too is like, like Undertaker, like he should not have been wrestling like as long as he did. They sh- like I don't I question whether it was even worth having like the boneyard match. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's just so much and. You know, so much of that era is also just like un unhealthy in so many different ways that, you know, I do think that's why, you know, they've made it into kind of like a joke, but I do think that's why a lot of, you know, AEW wrestlers, why a lot of indie wrestlers have gone straight edge as a result, or, you know, have taken an active stance of like not doing drugs because that being so you know not to get too bummer or head into like content war content warning worthy material too much without you know that kind of prefacing the episode you know seeing the kind of stuff that people went through and like still continue to go through you know like that i know that there have been some like issues at least outwardly with audience reception of like in AEW, the Hangman Adam Page storyline. And I think that's totally valid um, to be uncomfortable with that. But like for me and the context and the interviews that Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page have given, like that contrasted with the thing that is literally still going on in WWE with Sheamus and Jeff Hardy's addiction issues. It's like yeah. night and day. Like, yeah. you know, even the, I think... It, are there parts of the hangman story that could have been done better? Absolutely. Is it anywhere near as bad as just the absolute mockery of addiction that WWE is doing literally right this very second with Jeff Hardy? Absolutely no comparison in my brain. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah. like in some ways, like some people haven't learned their lesson and like, they're definitely, I'm sure I I've seen as part of, you know, the stuff coming out and everything, I've seen that there are indie promotions that are still doing the same kind of horrible bullshit or, like, along the same lines that the Attitude Era promoted. And it's like, you know, there are absolutely, like, good, trustworthy people in wrestling. Like, I, I do believe that. I I know as someone getting into it, like, and as, like, the Speaking Out movement has shown, like, it's absolutely a carny industry. Like, there's absolutely people that are not doing the work and you know people that are doing the work that are worn out because they get tired and dragged down by people harassing them but you know there are still good people out there like i am someone that i like because i see them out there i see them doing the work like they might not be perfect 100 percent of the time but there are people um you know in the indies and not that that are trying to take the cool gonzo things and you know make things a better place so much being really it's good (laughs) yeah well and then like you know i'm not super familiar with him but i know a lot of people like danhausen and you know like i mean just even you know orange cassidy like he came from the indies Uh, orange okay so for those of you who watch aew um orange cassidy keeping the bloody shirt after getting blood all over it absolutely like a reference to mankind right like that's gotta be the orange juice segment with the 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 orange juice that doused uh chris jericho 
absolutely straight out of the Attitude Era. Yeah, like, for but in, in a yeah. good way. It was like, it was yeah. literally like, do you want a segment that's like a Nickelodeon freaking thing? Exactly. Except for it was orange juice and not whatever gross thing the WWE yeah. would have done. Or, you know, Nickelodeon slime, gack, yeah. whatever they put yeah. on people. Exactly. So, like, it boils down to, like, AEW is doing some things very right with, like, synthesizing what the best parts of Attitude Era were, um, which is not any part of the edginess or the sexism or the racism. You don't need that at all. Like, you just got to give people the creative freedom to do, you know, what they do best. And, you know, that's that. Oh, on that, that note, on that note, that's it. <laughs> that's it for our our episode tonight. Uh, well, it's tonight. It is tonight, but you shouldn't know that. Um, <laughs> that's it for our episode. Uh, if you like what we do here, I please would ask you please um go on itunes and rate and review the podcast uh give it a five star rating anything else is not worth my time or yours uh so <laughs> just just do just do the thing if you find our podcast somewhere else on any other podcast you listen to that's got a rating and reviewing system please do that there um it would be very very helpful um just get more people um to see that we have a podcast if you want to find me personally on twitter you can find me at genetic ghost uh where i am doing all manners of things at any point in time uh so yeah and i am and have been and will be <laughs> i don't know why i said it like that uh mikey you can find me on twitter at quantum dot dot where i talk about wrestling video games game design cute animals i talk about my dog a lot um mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, doing a lot of, a lot of different things, um, as I can, obviously. Um, and then you can find my game design and other work at quantum.space. Mm -hmm. And if you're not finding our podcast on iTunes or any other application, you can find it on our website at superkick.party. Superkick.party. That does not redirect to, uh, anything related to the young book. Nope. Uh, so nothing uh, related to the young bucks at all in that URL. Uh, <laughs> Zero relation. Zero relation. Nope. Not not having it. Uh, although I I think from this point at this point, if they did ask me to give them the URL, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I essentially. That's become... only because you've like yeah gone over since the last podcast. You've gone you've gone over to the side of being a young bucks mark. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunately me now, and I'll tell you it is unfortunate, but it it is me now, so that's just the way it is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they can have that if they wanted. They just gotta ask, or maybe send some autograph, maybe send some on it. I don't know. We'll, Get we'll me one to... of those um AEW like sleeveless hooded sweatshirts sure. that they stopped selling yeah. right before I was gonna go buy one. Like, why are you getting rid of that? It suns out, guns out season. Come on, <laughs> get it together. That's true. Um, all that being said, I think that'll do it for this episode. So next episode, we will be covering Kenny Omega versus Okada in NJPW. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, that uh, that's gonna be a saga. So uh, put your uh, 
I don't know, put your seatbelt on, but also grab your tissues, uh, and also... And, and or your broom, because, your broom you know, the and cleaner. or your cold spray, you know, well, whatever you want, garbage cans, whatever you <laughs> want to bring with you. All of, all of this and more will be explained next episode. So until then, <laughs> goodbye, mwah, and good night. Bang! 